0: Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest vodcast. And this is going to be on the renal arteries, what you need to know. And I did this in part because I'm giving a similar talk at RSNA 2020. So I thought I would expand that talk and take a good look at the renal arteries. So let's look at the renal arteries. If you think about the renal arteries with CT angiography, there are many applications. One of the most common is for anatomy for renal donors the number of renal arteries their location and their branching patterns we also look at the renal arteries to look for stenosis or occlusion we also have many requests for fibromuscular dysplasia which is a very common diagnosis at hopkins and we have lots of referrals we also talk about renal artery aneurysms and pseudoaneurysms renal artery fistulae as well as vasculitis now when we talk about scan protocols the scan protocol will be dependent on the application so for example if we're doing renal artery stenosis You'll get the kidneys alone, but you may also get a delayed phase to look for any perfusion changes to determine the significance of the stenosis. Or if you're doing fibromuscular dysplasia, the the requisition often extends from the carotids through the iliacs. So then you're going to scan a longer distance and so give a larger amount of IV contrast material. We typically will do a five-second uh 5CCs per section injection rate, we optimize the KVP and MAS for the lowest dose, yet getting a good quality study or a great quality study. And then of course the importance of looking not only at axial imaging and not only at multiplanar, but also 3D imaging. And I'll show you many examples of that. When you look at CTA, and my RSNA talk was CTA versus MRA, CTA has many advantages. The protocols are fairly easy to do and very reproducible, whether you're a large hospital or a small outpatient center, the better the scanner, the better the protocol. Everyone typically has 64 slices Now 64 slides will give you great studies. Routinely 16 slices, You can do okay. Most of the time we talk about volume acquisitions and the short scan times eliminate artifacts such as motion. The variability between different readers is low. Typically, for most applications of the renal arteries, there's very high interobserver observer uh, accuracy and reproducibility, and also in cases where we need to look at the renal vein and renal function, a simple additional acquisition in the venous phase will allow us to get all the information. And so, for example, in renal donors, we often or always need to look at both the renal arteries and renal veins. Now, if we look at renal donors for a moment, accessory renal arteries are present in about 30% of the individuals that we look at and can be found bilaterally in about 10% of cases. Accessory renal arteries are more common individuals with renal fusion or positional anomalies of the kidneys, including horseshoe kidneys or cross-fused renal ectopia. Now, in terms of renal donors, those patients would not be eligible to be donors, obviously. Accessory renal arteries usually arise more inferior to the main renal artery, but that's not always the case. I often see small branch vessels going to the upper pole. And we talk about the fact that these renal arteries can be anywhere between T11 and L4. So it's very important to make sure you scan that entire area and you don't miss an accessory renal artery. Now, we typically note that the renal arteries arise at the level of the second lumbar vertebral body. The important thing about the renal arteries is that um, when you want to plan for a renal donor, they typically would like to remove the left kidney. So it's very important to look at the left kidney extremely careful. If there's certain issues with the left kidney, then they'll go to the right kidney. Of course, we need to look at both kidneys so they're normal. If a patient has an abnormal kidney, that patient will not be a donor. The left renal artery is typically more horizontally oriented and courses posterior to the left renal vein. We then talk about the branching of the renal arteries. We also talk about pre branching, less than two centimeters from the origin of the vessel. Now some more facts about the renal arteries, four to six centimeters in length and about five millimeters or so in diameter. You can see in this case, the patient has two right renal arteries and a single left renal artery and the right renal artery, the uppermost vessel, has prehyla branching. So in this case, a very simple choice would be to remove the patient's left kidney. Now, in terms of renal donor evaluation, we do see issues with renal artery disease in about 3% or so of potential donors. Again, in the old days when donors were much younger, the frequency of FMD or renal artery stenosis was much less. But now we not uncommonly see donors over 50 and even over 60. Significant CT findings that led to the right kidney being selected instead of the left, often related to complex left vascular anatomy, or the fact the kidney had minimal scarring on the right side, and so they were willing to donate that kidney. You never keep a single kidney if it has scarring. And of course, renal parenchymal and vascular abnormalities are common in asymptomatic potential donors, which is the reason we are doing CT. Now, this article was written in 2012. Everything we said there still holds true today. Things we do in addition, we do renal volumes, okay? And 3D mapping is part of the standard for renal donor evaluation. Now, what about renal artery stenosis? The majority of cases of renal artery stenosis are due to atherosclerotic disease. And so it's something we see more common in older patients in patients with a auto-occlusive disease, patients with hypertension, diabetes, and patients with coronary artery disease. It's no surprise that patients who have disease in the coronary arteries commonly have aortic disease and not uncommonly have renal artery disease. When we look at renal artery stenosis, we talk about location, Usually it arises in the proximal two centimeters or proximal one third of the renal artery. We grade stenosis. We characterize the plaque as calcified or non-calcified. And then we talk about secondary findings, which include perfusion of the kidneys. And here's just a nice example. There are two right and a single left renal artery. These are MIP imaging, and you can see very nicely that the patient has high grade stenosis in the upper right renal artery and in the left renal artery very nicely shown now you can see because the uh, renal arteries are not horizontal it's much easier to define the degree of stenosis on these 3d images we can use also things like cinematic rendering here is bilateral renal artery stenosis nicely shown worse on the left than on the right side here we're showing you a variation on the left of cinematic rendering where I've created these presets to give you a really good look at the vessels and you see the stenosis nicely. And you can compare it with the patient's MIP, which also shows the stenosis very well. You can see that really nicely there. Now, when we look at other processes, whenever you think about renal artery stenosis, you also mentioned fibromuscular dysplasia in your next breath. FMD, we used to always think about that as beating, as we see here of the renal artery but it also can lead to focal aneurysms, focal dissections are also something we will see. Now, FMD causes less than 10% of renal artery stenosis. It's different than typical atherosclerotic disease in terms of the population. It's usually young or middle-aged women. Associations include smoking, hormonal therapy, and vasovasorum disorders. In symptomatic patients, the lesions are bilateral in almost three quarters of cases. Things we look for, the classic string of beads. The beading is larger than the normal arterial diameter. We also look for stenoses, which are often focal and concentric, though you can see long segment stenosis as well. We look for the presence of aneurysms, as well as dissection, as well as rarely thrombosis. So you can see FMD gives you a spectrum of findings in the renal artery. And here is a very nice example, looking at the patient's right renal artery, very impressive beating, very classic FMD. Or in this example, here are two additional cases, you very nicely see the FMD, which usually is the mid third of the vessel being in the distal portion on the case one of the right renal artery, the left renal artery looks good. And similarly on case two here, it almost involves the entire right renal artery where again, the left renal artery looks normal. So again, two very nice example of FMD shown well with 3D mapping. Here's another case where the patient has bilateral duplication of the renal arteries. On the right side, the uppermost renal artery has classic FMD. The other three renal arteries all look fine. So it's not always every renal artery and it's not always bilateral. So you need to analyze each of the vessels individually. Another example here, here are the cases bilateral involvement, very impressive. The lateral two thirds of the right renal artery and the mid third of the left renal artery. You see it here nicely on the MIP imaging and here you see it very nicely. As we go to the cinematic rendering, you can see with cinematic rendering, the branching of the vessels inside the kidney. And you really nicely get a feel of the patient's uh, beating on both renal arteries. And here it is again one more set of views you also once you see fmd will look carefully at the non-renal arteries you look at the iliacs you look at the branch vessels you look at the mesenteric vessels so once you're thinking fmd you have to look carefully at all of the vessels and cta allows you that capability now in terms of other possibilities now we think about stenosis you always think about infarction. Now, renal infarction can be due to many causes beyond atherosclerotic disease. We talk about vasculitis like polyarteritis nodosa or SLE. We talk about trauma, and in this talk, I am not gonna be talking about trauma, but we know renal artery injury, particularly a global infarction is not uncommon in patients post renal trauma. We talk about paraneoplastic syndromes, we talk about hypercoagulability states, and we talk about acute venous occlusion as all causes of renal infarction now when we talk about renal infarction it can be segmental or global in extent most commonly it's segmental it can be an isolated process or part of a multi-system disease involvement acute and chronic renal infarction do occur and can occur together and in terms of patients it may be an incidental finding or the patient can present with acute flank pain fever and even hematuria. Now, the things we look for, focal versus global, uh, again, the range of focal is from multiple small infarcts to one quarter of the kidney infarct, let's say. Global involvement means nearly the entire kidney is involved. It's usually, particularly global, is usually due to acute arterial occlusion, be it trauma or embolism. Infarction is usually lateral, but can be lateral, or bilateral, depending on the cause. If you have global infarction, you may see enhancement along the rim of the kidney because of a cortical rim sign, which means capsule vessels are still going to give flow to the capsule of the kidney, but the kidney will be non-functioning. And if infarction is not diagnosed early, patients may present with a small atrophic kidney. So let's look at some examples. Here's a nice case, decreased enhancement in the right kidney. You're losing the cortical medullary interface compared to the left. You see interiorly decreased enhancement. Here it is again as I zoom up on it, classic renal infarct. You're not gonna confuse this case with acute pyelonephritis. And then you look a little bit more carefully and you notice on this example that the patient's clot is seen in the renal artery. And this was embolism to the patient's right renal artery causing the infarction. So again, looking carefully at the vessels can help you reach a very specific diagnosis. Or in this case, this patient has more of a global infarct of the left kidney. This patient had atrial thrombus, which was then uh, sent downward, and so you have this infarct of the left kidney, the right kidney looks okay. You can see on this case as well, the infarct in the patient's left renal artery very nicely shown right there you see there is some flow by a second renal artery to the lower pole of the kidney and again here's a few more views showing you that very nicely as well now another example infarction in the right kidney it's not global but it's a significant portion of the kidney as we look carefully at the renal artery on the volume rendering and mip you can see very nicely that you follow the renal artery to the hilum And then there's a few little tiny vessels to the upper pole, but then you see occlusion of the mid to lower portion of the renal arteries. And you can see it very nicely as I mark here. And then you go to cinematic and you also can see it very nicely. You see the wedge shape defect. You also see the branching and the occlusion of the mid portion of the renal artery very nicely shown on that cinematic rendering as well. Now, in this example, we talk about global infarction. Look at the clot at the origin, just beyond the origin of the left renal artery. There's good function to the right kidney. The left kidney shows no function. You can see very nicely there, that's a classic appearance of an embolic phenomenon. I've seen this with clots in the aorta embolizing or clots in the heart. And you can see very nicely here on the delayed phase imaging, There is subtle perfusion around the edge of the kidney from capsular vessels, but you can see that nearly the entire left renal artery from beyond its origin is filled with thrombus. And here it is, perfusion changes shown very nicely on the cinematic rendering. So again, you can see not only the renal artery, but signs of perfusion changes. Sometimes you may not appreciate the thrombus in the renal artery, but once you see the perfusion changes and you know you're dealing with an infarct, you looked extra carefully. Another example here, this patient was post aortic aneurysm repair. You do not see the patient's left renal artery and they know that they had a problem at surgery with that. Unfortunately, they tried to revascularize. It didn't work. Now you have an atrophic non-functioning left kidney There's some rim enhancement, that so-called rim sign, where you have some capsular flow. But this kidney is non-functioning, and this kidney will be removed. And again, a very classic global infarction of the kidney due to renal artery occlusion, and in this case, renal artery injury. It is not uncommon in patients who have small accessory renal arteries when you get endovascular stents, to have small renal infarcts that's one of the well-known complications and in this patient who had a neuroblastoma of the left adrenal gland had resection one of the complications of adrenal surgery is renal artery injury and in this case you see a global infarction of the patient's left kidney There's a little bit of capsular flow, but basically no enhancement, and this patient will eventually get a left nephrectomy as that kidney will become atrophic, potentially causes and become a site of infection, but there is no function left in that left kidney, and very nicely shown also on the volume rendering. And it's also shown nicely on the cinematic what i like about cinematic in these cases in looking for infarction cinematic looks at in some ways at the blood flow but also the amount of fluid present left kidney is edematous which is why it's red red tends to be water and very nicely we can understand about the global infarction and here it is one more set of images now when you look at renal artery aneurysms there's a number of different things we could look at there as well It's usually incidental. It may be asymptomatic, or the patients can be symptomatic. You could have pain, you could have hematuria. 60% are at the main arterial bifurcation, or at the main stem artery. They're bilateral in about 19% of cases, multiple in up to 33% of cases, and a third of patients have ipsilateral renal artery stenosis. There are a range of causes from hypertension, to FMD, to arthritis, to dissection, Ehlers-Danlos, neurofibromatosis, many different possibilities beyond simply atherosclerotic disease. The majority, however, are detected in asymptomatic patients. The key thing is hypertension was reported to be the most common presenting symptom, which is thought to occur secondary to altered blood flow, due to kinking or twisting of the renal artery, with subsequent increased renin secretion inducing hypertension. We worry about rupture of the renal artery aneurysm. That occurs very infrequently, but it's related to size. Most renal artery aneurysms under two sodomias will be watched. Over two sonomers, embolization, or when they're large enough for section, will indeed be done. A couple good examples. Here's a very nice renal artery aneurysm, With rim-like calcification and here it is very nicely shown when it's opacified here's a patient with a large right renal artery aneurysm as well as splenic artery aneurysms remember we mentioned before this patient has atherosclerotic disease look at the abdominal aorta so it's not surprising multiple vessels can be involved with aneurysms here's another patient with somewhat of an eccentric proximal right renal artery aneurysm with very coarse calcification, though the aneurysm opacifies nicely with contrast. And here it is again with cinematic rendering, really nicely showing you the extent of the aneurysm, as well as showing you the calcification that's present. Now, I mentioned one of the challenges is rupture. was a patient with Ehlers-Danlos. Those patients commonly can have rupture of aneurysms, This patient had aneurysms of the celiac, which you see here, as well as SMA and hepatic artery aneurysms, but now presented with right flank pain. You can see the hepatic artery aneurysm with some resultant perfusion changes in the liver. Then as you scan down with this blood around the kidney on the right side, and then you can see the ruptured renal artery aneurysm. So again, renal artery aneurysm, this patient was lucky. They were able to embolize. But again, when aneurysms get large, they will be treated. Now, what about renal artery dissection? Well, there are a number of comments about renal artery dissection, but let's do this. Let's take a break for a couple minutes. Let's come back and pick up where we left off. If you liked what you heard here today, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit our website, CTS.com for lectures, quizzes, pearls, and more. Also, be sure to check out our apps that are available for free on the Apple Store. All links are in the description box below.